0: And even if you're physically attracted, which I mean that's great, you should be attracted to your spouse when you first get married. Um, that changes as you, as you each change. And the the thing that covers that, you know, because we have wrinkles and different things as we age, um, the thing that covers that is over time in your marriage, it deepens. It goes past just the visual, and hopefully you start out with more than the visual as well, but it continues to deepen as you unify and you love the person for more than just what they used to look like. It's deeper than that. It's who they are. And for me, it's, you know, the safety, the protection, the provision, the, um, just the kindness, the being a good dad, like all those things are attractive to me.
1: Well, howdy Mark and
0: Grace Driscoll
1: nailed it. Thanks babe. Back for the real marriage podcast. And, uh, We are looking at marriages in the book of Genesis. I'm preaching through the book of Genesis. If you want to join us, you're welcome to, as I'm going verse by verse through this uh, hillbilly redneck saga (laughs) of biblical proportions. It's a crazy family, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some stuff in Genesis they just can't make into a veggie tale. It's just (laughs) a little little dark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, um and as I'm going through Genesis, and we've got a free study guide for you if you want to go through Genesis uh, with me in my sermon podcast, we're looking at it as also a marriage and family book. And it starts with a husband and a wife who get married, and then their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids, and it goes for generations, and it picks up these themes of marriage and family with um, well, first with Adam and Eve, which we'll do mm-hmm. the last podcast on today. And it includes Noah and his wife. They have some good days and mm-hmm. kind of a drunk yeah. camping trip that's yeah. awkward, we'll get into yeah. as well. And then Abraham and Sarah and everybody's like, Oh, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he gave away his wife twice, which yeah. is a lot. Yeah. And uh and and then there's some some loving and some unloving marriages. So we're gonna we're gonna look at the the marriages in Genesis as case studies. But in this episode, we're going to look at, at Adam and Eve. This will be our last snapshot at Adam and Eve. And so um, God made Adam first, said it's not good to be alone. Uh, this is before sin enters the world. And so a lot of people are like, well, you know, I, I don't need my spouse. If you tell your spouse you don't need them, you're calling God a liar. Mm-hmm. God says "You, it's not good to be alone. So then... Um, God creates animals and brings them to Adam to name them. And God also told Adam that he was going to get a spouse. And it had to be really weird as these various animals come up to Adam for their (laughs) name. He's probably looking at God saying, Father, please tell me that's not her. (laughs) No, son, name that. Aardvark. Okay, good. Um, So then finally, the moment comes where God creates the woman. Okay, and God creates the woman in a way that is different than He creates everything else. Uh, it says that He, um, you know, He He spoke creation into existence, but He He makes the male and the female in a more hand knit to use that metaphor language, and the woman comes out of the side, the rib of the man. Mm. Um, so let's just start there before we get into our big idea, which is sex. Um, the woman comes from the rib of the man. Talk to me about non-sexual touch and snuggling.
0: (laughs) Yes. So next to the man, the side of the man, that's where the woman feels secure. That's where she was created. And so, um, yeah, non-sexual touch, it's a good place to start with snuggling and staying on the side of the man.
1: (laughs) Because in... uh, in chauvinism, the man's out ahead. Mm-hmm. And in feminism, the woman's out ahead. And in the Bible, you're, you're right next to each other. The woman comes out of the side and she...
0: Likes being on the side. <laughs> and
1: I, yeah, that's one sort of my, I, so I'll be honest, so I like just having you around. And uh, when you're not there, feels like somebody's missing. And I like to sit on the couch or snuggle on the couch and watch show or movie. And when we drive in the car, I like to hold hands. That's mm-hmm. my thing. I like to hold hands when we drive in the car. But you come from the woman comes from the side of the man, and and that's where she fits. So if your wife wants to snuggle, just tell her welcome home. Okay, that's where <laughs> that's where she's from, and that that feels like ho- or should feel like home to her. So then God brings the woman. To the man, and this is the first marriage. This is where marriage begins. God creates marriage uh, as a covenant that is consummated. Mm-hmm. It's a covenant between God, the man and the woman, and it is consummated um sexually. And so God brings the woman, and he's he's like the dad here walking her down the aisle. and then he's like the pastor who officiates. And mm-hmm. so, um I, this is what I've done. <laughs> I guess I walk my. Daughter down the aisle and then officiated the wedding. Yep. You know, it's for our oldest daughter. Your dad did that for you when he officiated our wedding. And so God's kind of acting like the dad and the pastor here at the first wedding. And when Adam sees Eve, he sings. He sings he's because the dude who's the musicians always have the advantage. <laughs> so there is no record of a human being speaking until sin enters the world the first recorded words that we have in human history were Adam, not s- just speaking to his wife on their wedding day, but singing to her. And uh, some theologians have posited that maybe human history was a big musical and we were all <laughs> singing until sin entered the world. Uh, but Adam, and, and, and it's interesting too, uh, I'm sure Adam talked to God, but it seems like he didn't have much to say until the woman showed up. And once the woman shows up and he sees her, he sings to mm-hmm. her, this is poetic, beautiful, inviting, and he better get this right, because uh, if he blows this relationship,
0: <laughs> there's no other option. He's back to the
1: art Back to the <laughs> <laughs> He's got no plan B. <laughs> and um, and so then uh, he sings to her, and then it says that they were naked and felt no shame, they consummate their covenant, and there's nothing shameful about sex. So, honey, for a husband and a wife, what should their standard of beauty be based upon Genesis 1 and 2 with marriage before sin enters the world when it was perfect? Their spouse. Their spouse. Compare that today to what the culture or world would tell us should be our standard of beauty.
0: Well, all of social media and advertising and everything on TV and Hollywood pornography and, and pornography. And they they make a lot of standards that you get to have instead of just having one and being content with that and celebrating that and thanking the Lord that he gave you your spouse.
1: So God didn't give Adam or Eve a standard of beauty. He gave them their spouse as their standard mm-hmm. of beauty. Yep. And... Devastation comes to a marriage when anyone is the standard of beauty other than the spouse. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is one of the Ten Commandments where it says, don't covet anybody else's spouse. Mm-hmm. And because you're supposed to be content with the spouse that God gave you. So, um, so we met when we were 17 mm-hmm. and we married at 21. And so our standard of beauty when we got married was someone who was 21. We are now 51. You look the same. No. <laughs> you no. do. I always say that women age like wine and men age like milk. That's always my line. You look, I mean, you're gorgeous. Um, but I'm I'm showing a few more uh, miles. So uh, my bangs have largely gone home to be with the Lord. When we first met, but it's uh,
0: not a mullet so it's still better. Okay.
1: You just had to go there. It was the 80s and I didn't have the holy spirit. And so I mean, do you think it, it, it really was not like a full mullet. It was more like a soccer rocker, it was a achy breaky bad mistakey, maybe a Tennessee mud flap, a Canadian passport, you know, just variations of the mullet. But I did I did it was a little long in the back. Uh-huh. And I had a lot of bangs in the front. It was sort of the John Stamos, uh, what was that show we had with uh, <laughs> the, t- the little girls? Uh, full House. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was kind of that. Um, so, so when you fell in love with me, I mean, you must have really loved me. You went for me apparently with a mullet. So <laughs> apparently that's your love language is mullet. Um, that when we met, your husband uh, had a full head of hair. Mm-hmm. And now I, I miss my. Bags. You have a beard. I do have a beard. I did. That's another good point. We'll change the subject. I did not have a beard, and now I have a a full, uh, a luxurious uh, <laughs> beard. Um, but my appearance has changed, and so.
0: But men tend to be more visual, and Shanti Feldhahn says that in her book that twenty five percent of women are, are visual, visual, but like almost 100% of men are visual.
1: No, um, the only men who are not visual are dead men. <laughs> <laughs> and what that means is that they they tend to see and remember. And uh, she, she calls it in her book. Can you tell? She, she does some great work. But in this marriage book, she calls it the keeper of the visual Rolodex. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what the Rolodex Mm is. It's where you used to keep your addresses before you had a phone with a (laughs) contact section. But these would be like snapshots that the male brain is hardwired to take images and to store them, Mm -hmm. particularly of uh, a beautiful woman. So it should be, supposed to be a wife. And she does say that 25% of women are highly visual, meaning their brains function and operate more like... um, a man's does. Mm-hmm. So the point is this, your standard of beauty is your spouse. And what happens as you age and have kids and go through life, your appearance changes, mm-hmm. which means if you have a standard of beauty, and even if you set your spouse's appearance as your standard of beauty, when they change, you're going to find yourself being tempted. Mm-hmm to what the Bible calls lust after someone that looks like your spouse used to. (laughs) Not good. Not good. um, Because the goal is to be naked and unashamed and the two to become one. And it undermines uh, the purity and the unity of the marriage when someone is the standard of beauty other than the spouse.
0: And even if you're physically attracted which i mean that's great you should be attracted to your spouse when you first get married um that changes as you as you each change and the the thing that covers that you know because we have wrinkles and different things as we age um the thing that covers that is over time in your marriage it deepens it goes past just the visual and hopefully you start out with more than the visual as well, but it continues to deepen as you unify and you love the person for more than just what they used to look like, it's deeper than that, it's who they are. And for me, it's you know the safety, the protection, the provision, the, um, just the kindness, the being a good dad, like all those things are attractive to me. And so for you, you may stay visual, but you, you know more of me now through the marriage. And so you're attracted to more than just, you know, when we first started dating
1: in high school. <laughs> well, when I didn't know you, I was like, she's cute. That's all I knew. Yeah. <laughs> but then as I get to know you, right. I love all of you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I would say that the emotional, spiritual connection is deeper yeah. than the physical Absolutely. connection. And that's where couples that are dating will sleep together, but they won't pray together because mm-hmm. it's too intimate. Yep. The lie in our world is that the physical is the deepest, and the truth is the soul is yeah, deep. Absolutely. And when you pray together and you worship God together, like the times that I feel closest to you, like I really like in our church, we pastor Trinity Church here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, holding hands and worshiping,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I to me that's oneness, that's intimacy. That is you and me and the Lord. We're, we're one. You know, we're. And in that's this
0: where kind of, Adam and Eve got off. They spiritually got off from each other in the Lord. And so that's, if you leave that opening, I mean, they had been one already, they had mm-hmm. consummated their marriage, but when they let their relationship with the Lord start to falter, then they gave in to the temptation and the sin and the flesh and the enemy.
1: And well and it affected their physical relationships exactly. so they hid from hid. one another mm-hmm. felt shame for and the they first time. cover themselves mm-hmm. so all of a sudden it's not naked without shame it's shame mm-hmm. and uh, and what happens in our uh, our world in our culture every intent of technology is to get the way that God hardwired the brain to be used to destroy the marriage. Mm. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the studies on uh, you and I've been kind of interested recently in brain Brain science science. and neural pathways. And it's 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 in the infancy stages uh, of this uh, area of study. But what they're finding is that our our brains are hardwired with a pleasure path that as we pursue pleasure, we create neural pathways so that we can more quickly venture down that path to get the pleasure that we enjoy. And this can lead to addiction to heroin or longing for worship in God's presence. Mm. This can lead to sex or pornography addiction or an incredible uh, gravitational pull toward your spouse. Mm -hmm. And so the way God made us is to, desire to be in relationship with him, to enjoy marriage with our spouse and, and everything in this demonic, satanic, fallen, broken, cursed world is to get you to be, um, creating neural pathways, addiction cycles and, or, um, pleasure pathways towards someone or something other than your spouse. And again, most technology exists to hijack the brain that God made and to cause it to destroy the marriage. So um, from digital technology to high speed internet to cheap um, filmmaking to now the metaverse and virtual reality, all of that is really driven by lust and advertising and the porn industry Mm -hmm. and discontentedness and coveting of people you're not married to. And doing everything possible to hijack your brain and to cause someone to be the standard of beauty other mm-hmm. than your spouse, yeah, and so we live probably well not probably, we live most certainly in the most difficult time um in the history of the world to counteract coveting with a covenant job thirty one one he says, "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully. Mm-hmm. It used to be if you wanted to look at someone lustfully, first of all, you needed to um leave your farm <laughs> it was a lot more work <laughs> go for a long walk or ride mm-hmm. find another person that you find attractive and then look at them <laughs> and now you don't you don't have to work to get into trouble yeah. you have to work Comes to stay out you. of trouble mm-hmm. yep. you don't have to pursue it it pursues you yeah, it's you don't have to actively um, seek it it's actively seeking you mm-hmm. Um, so wh- what would you say, honey, for those who, this is already, and and, and in varying ways, this is a problem in every single marriage. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a problem in your marriage. This is a problem in every marriage mm-hmm. from Genesis 3 forward. Yeah. For those couples that are hearing this, how can they start to re-hardwire their brain so that their spouse is their standard of beauty and that the neural pathways are being built To connect them as one flesh?
0: Well, start by repenting. If that hasn't been the case, we need to repent to the Lord um, and ask Him to start that re hardwiring process. Um, We may have some confessing to do to our spouse. Um, Again, the timing of that is very important. The context. Humility in that. Privacy. Uh, Privacy, yes. Um, And, Really asking the Lord to help you only focus on your spouse and knowing that this is what feeds and fulfills your marriage, um, actively pursuing that and not letting your eyes wander. If you're catching yourself looking at someone else or, you know, lingering on someone else that's not your spouse, you need to quickly stop. You need to ask the Lord to break that habit Um, and it will rewire the brain, it will create a new neural pathway with good godly habits that are visual toward your spouse.
1: Well, and then I would say practical things too, like uh, think about your bedroom. Is it a place that you mm-hmm. have privacy and intimacy? Mm-hmm. If it's a place where, you know, there's a laptop and a printer in the corner and there's a TV and the kids Legos are all over the floor, you're like, this is not a wholly set apart sacred mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Um, you know, is your bathroom a place that, you know, when you take a shower or whatever the case may be, is there some measure of privacy? Mm -hmm. As a couple, do you get dressed up and go out and have date night and make Mm -hmm. memories and sit across the table and look at each other and and not just do shoulder to shoulder getting tasks done, but face to face building intimacy? And just thinking through what are the habits that we are putting into our marriage to create memories and to build new neural pathways so that, uh, you know, maybe uh, date night is something that all of a sudden uh, becomes a regular romantic and attraction point that, um, you know, tucking the kids in bed at night, if you got kids and sitting by the fire or sitting mm-hmm. in the hot tub or, you know, locking the door on the bedroom and spending time together is a new neural pathway. It's a new habit. It's building momentum. And what happens is to build Usually what happens is we tell people you need to stop sinning. And the way you stop sinning is you start worshiping. The Bible talks about put off certain habits and put on (laughs) new ones. And if all you do is try and put off the old habits, eventually one of two things will happen. You'll go back to putting on the old habit or you'll put on a new bad habit. And so you put off the old bad habit. You put on the new good habit. And what happens is over time, The way that God has hardwired the brain is you start to create, as Grace indicated, these new neural pathways, and all of a sudden you start to habituate yourself. And we tend to think of addiction as a bad thing, it can also be, in the right regard, a good thing. You're like, look, I just really need to pray and talk Mm -hmm. to the Lord. My soul needs that. My brain needs that. I really need to hold hands and be intimate with my spouse. I need that. My soul needs that. Mm -hmm. And these new pathways, what it causes is momentum. Yeah. And so if you're discouraged because you're like, I have some bad habits, well, just as you took time to build those bad habits, you mm-hmm. take time to break those bad habits mm-hmm. and to build new good habits. But the first habit, again, back to Genesis 1 and 2, your standard of beauty is? Your spouse. Your spouse. And that's their physical beauty, that's their emotional beauty, that's their spiritual beauty, that's their relational beauty. It's not just the physical, it extends beyond that to where they are the standard of what um, a healthy, loving relationship in covenant is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why the studies would indicate, uh, two studies come to mind. One, um, for men in particular who slept with uh, prostitutes outside of marriage they found that men didn't go to multiple women they would keep going back to the same woman hmm. it's because they had built a neural pathway that was intended for marriage yes and satan hijacked that and created a a, a sinful habit rather than um, a, a good habit mm-hmm. And the other is that statistically, couples who have been married 30, 40, 50 years and love each other and have been intimate with one another, they enjoy their intimacy at a level that is equal or greater than a newly married couple on their honeymoon. Hmm. That's great. Because God has created us to enjoy marriage and our spouse. And as we work within God's divine design, um, we find that um, God actually is gracious to allow the later years of our life to be the most intimate and pleasurable, even if we don't look exactly like we did (laughs) when we were first married. Yeah. And so what we're finding with the brain science is God knows exactly what he's that's doing right. <laughs> and that if you follow God's design plan, uh, the brain and the body and the soul that he made, it works only in obedience to his instruction and command. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we love you. Thank you for joining us. Is there anything you'd want to add, honey? I'm very verbal today. I'm very <laughs> chatty.
0: No, I think that's great. And I think if, if your spouse is not your standard of beauty, you can't just say, oh, well, you need to make your spouse your standard of beauty. And like you said, you need to create new habits that can counter what you have been doing that has pulled you away from that way of thinking. And maybe there's ways that both of you can um, work on your beauty, inner beauty, and outer beauty together. Just health uh, and wellness yep, overall. just to be healthy. and um and that's a very, that can be a very sensitive topic, obviously. But I think if you're working at it together, then you're going to both have those desires together and want to serve each other in those ways together. And it's beautiful when you're working together. Mm-hmm. And that's what marriage should be.
1: Cool. You want to pray for us, sweetie pie?
0: Dear Lord, thank you uh, that you have given us your word to so that we can interact on these levels about intimacy and about your intention for marriage. And Lord, I pray that if there's sin and um, just pathways that aren't headed in the direction of godliness and unity, that you would just allow these couples to be able to reroute and show them how to do that and um, just how to be gracious in that with each other as well. So, Lord, thank you for creating marriage, and I pray that we would do it your way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.